Hello. Welcome. I'm Luke Campbell and I work for a small wine company and he's Luke Morris and... I'm dumbfounded. And together we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk all things wine and booze, sometimes popular culture, think when to drink, why we drink it and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, Campbell. How's it going? Yes, mate. Good and getting better. Good and getting better. Yes. Wow. Is the sky the limit? The sky's the limit, mate. The sky is always the limit. No, it's Absolutely. not. You can go further. Let's go to Mars. Let's go to Mars, Elon Musk, Elon Musk style. Um, Mars, what? I don't know about Mars just yet. I'm not quite. Do you know what the terroir of Mars is like? I know there's full of gas. Lots of plenty of gas. Well, there's plenty of gas down here too, isn't there? <laughs> Fair enough, play on. Uh, welcome and welcome to you. Welcome to the listening audience. Welcome to Luke's Talk Wine, Season 4, Episode 7. And this afternoon, have we, this afternoon, this evening, this morning, wherever you're listening to us, <laughs> we have got an episode for you. Do you want to know what's on the episode, Luke Morris? I hope there's some big reds from uh, Mars. But what, what else is happening? Well, we've got a listener question this week, actually. And listener, um, where is our listener questions? Because people can get in contact with us here. Elizabeth slid into the DMs and she are uh, Elizabeth's from Wagga, actually, that great wine-growing region of Wagga Wagga. So good they named it twice. Welcome, Elizabeth. Welcome to the program. She writes, Luke's correct use of the apostrophe. What's your dream wine destination? We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Where, where did they put the apostrophe? There's, there's a... They put the collective apostrophe at the end. Luke's ownership. Yes, that's right. Luke's ownership of this question. Okay, I'll go over that. Yeah. yeah. And the topic of today is I want to badger you about AI and the wine industry, where it leaves us, where it brings us. There's a little bit surrounding us at the moment to do with AI, artificial intelligence. I just want to drill down with you, Luke Morris, because this kind of spans a couple of your um, jobs and across things. And then... (laughs) I am easily replaced. (laughs) <laughs> and then Don't I want to talk to you. That. I want to talk to you about um, vintage 2023. And now it's all wrapped up, and we you know we've picked the last berry and we've squashed the last bunch. I want to know: is it all doom and gloom, or is there some positivity around with vintage 2023? But as always, and every week, Luke Morris, uh, what's been happening? No, what's been happening? Uh, uh, the wine science show. I'm still trying to relearn and rewrite things for that to make that happen. Canberra and Sydney already selling tickets in Canberra apparently, so that's good. Excellent, excellent behaviour. Um, oh, I did have something for you. I've completely forgotten what it was. I can't, I can't rattle off anything more creative than planting wine in on Mars. I, I want to know if we're going to get some great tour. What it's it's red it's red soil maybe. It's, I don't suppose it's clay. Don't have to dig deep. No, I can't think. I I I, I can't think of anything. I've 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 drawn a blank. Good nothing. It can be really hard to justify opening a bottle of wine from the cellar on a Tuesday night when all you want is one glass, and that's why we've started Unbottled Wines. We're delivering seasonally curated, 
ultra-premium wines from acclaimed Australian winemakers. These are wines that have never before seen the inside of a box, and may never again. Why a box? Because the box keeps wine fresh for up to 40 days after it's opened, unlike the bottle, which goes off after three or four. So if you would like to be able to drink exceptional wine one glass at a time, check out Unbottled Wines. Use the code VINIFIED at checkout and save 10%. No, I'm just, I'm too occupied with, uh, with um, trying to, comedy festivals, Bendigo Comedy Festival, Sydney Fringe, Canberra events, just trying to make all, make all that kind of fun stuff happen that I've, I've taken my eye off the prize. I did have an yeah, idea and, though with yeah. AI. Yes. I thought I had that brings us straight into the first topic this, of the this week. This would be Love a segue. It. This is the, yeah. this is an idea. This is a comedy gig. It's got nothing to do with wine. This, but it's a segue. Um, uh, comedian versus Chat GBT, where we get <laughs> we get a comedian up to tell tell some jokes on a topic, and then we read out what Chat GBT jokes, and then like get the audience to to judge which is funnier. <laughs> I'd play you, that game. Do you think that would be a fun show? I would play that game, yes. All right. I think that they might try I try might try and make that happen. Maybe that's we'll put that in plan. We'll put a pin in that for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. You know. That'd be fun. What what a good idea. Uh, well, that, that leads us. That's the that's the best segue I think we can have into AI <laughs> and the wine industry because obviously you know all this is surrounding us at the moment. People are protesting, actors are protesting, writers are protesting. Mm. You know, trained <laughs> professionals are protesting because they want a bigger piece of the pie and they want assurances that they're not going to be replaced in the industry. And like what winemakers probably. Winemakers face enough challenges, I reckon, between weather conditions, pests and diseases. I reckon the wine industry could use a little bit of help with AI, but what, 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 what do you reckon? What, how do you reckon the AI is going to – will it be a game changer for our industry, Luke? Oh, mate, uh, my first note was AI is already happening um, and it's been happening for a long time. If you, if you drink a, a wine from – Penfolds or Jacobs Creek or Yellowtail, most of that's made by a computer. They, they have very exacting standards, not standards, but um, measurements that they try and hit for their acids and their um, uh, alcohol levels and all kinds of parameters that they try and uh, brew wine to. I'm using the word brew on purpose. Yeah. And and the computer tells them what they need to do and how to do it, and they they follow instructions. We are the the monkey slaves to the AI overlords in in um, lots of I'll call them bulk wine, even even though some people still think you know RWT and stuff like that is handmade. But, um, it's 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 not. I think I think you're right in terms of. Um, imagining that it's all down to the vineyard, but there's also lots of sensors in the ground and and harvesters that are run with machines. AI is going all over the place. Like, you know, it's it's it's, it's rife throughout the winemaking side of things, and it's only now just coming into the um, writing 
side of things. What what you're describing is kind of Orwellian 1984 style. Like, is it is it infiltrated that far already? The fields, the the, the construction fields. Sorry, I'm I'm imagining not the Orwellian scenario, but the um, uh, what's the movie? This stupidity, dumbosity. duplicity. Duplicity, but no, it's um, <laughs> it's it's Luke Wilson. And it's it's set like a hundred years in the future where everybody's an idiot, it, it's, and it's they try and like all the everybody's starving because they're trying to grow all of their food on uh, basically Gatorade because that's the best <laughs> drink, and to have you know so all this kind of stupid nonsense, you don't <laughs> need to drink Gatorade, but there's something. But you know Luke Wilson comes from the past where he goes, no, you're supposed to use water, and they go water, what's that? And then they turn water on the fields of, of corn and they suddenly be able to eat again, that kind of stuff. The, um, yeah, there's going to be machines and th- th- there is, there's already happening. I don't, I don't, I don't, it's, it, I, I, it is, what are you looking for? What, what avenues are you looking for that AI oh, is already in? No, well, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think we've all seen firsthand how t- technology and artificial and in, artificial intelligence can it can impact and and propel the wine business forward I, I agree with you you know like those wines a bottle of rwt i reckon the first time it probably touches a hand is you know when you pull the cork out of it like uh, i couldn't agree with you more <laughs> um like but but wineries are kind of embracing everything from kind of e, e, e-commerce platforms to chat gbt on their website and you know, oh, yeah, there, are, there are yeah. yeah, there are a few ways you can kind of use it, and and already, you know, I, I think as you said there at the top of the show, if people, you know, they're logging onto a website or they're searching for you know a bottle of yellowtail or something with flora and fauna on it, like it's going to match other, you know, items with flora and fauna on it and it's going to push them in your direction. Like, I, I think you're right. It's already infiltrated us there. Um, but, you know, it, there's a couple of positive ways we can use it, I, I think, in, particularly in the wine recommendations and pairings and, and even education. I think one of the primary challenges customers face when purchasing a wine is like selecting a bottle other than using the label. You and I have taste this you know like um and if they but what they really want to know is is it going to pair with my meal is the, is this bottle of chenin blanc going to go with my lasagna but and i reckon can, they so can you can yeah. get sensors so we already they already exist you already have flavors um aromatic flavor sensors you can get a recording a um a wine that has a sensory notes of uh whatever scale and whatever chart that they create and they can identify that that would that's the blueberry character and that's tobacco and that's you know um passion fruit and all that kind of stuff i don't know i assume that's aromatics you can do that because they do that with um uh perfumes i assume there's something similar to that taste wise i assume with the liquid that you could get get sensory characteristics and yeah. therefore you'll be able to start saying 
I'm on a, I'm on a wine with the aromatics of an eight and a, and a palate of a six, and that connects to you know Pinot Noir. But people no longer talk about Pinot, and it might actually be helpful in selling things like um, Grenache or something because they'll they'll suddenly discover that those are similar. There's similar characteristics in those numbers, but it all come down to numbers. When you start saying you want to match food and wine, you'll be you start saying, well, this shellfish has a flavor profile of a four, and this Riesling has a flavor profile of a three. So they'll close. They're close enough. They'll go well together. Boom. So at that point, do we give it away and go back to drinking Forex, or like what happens then? Um, well, this is well in the uh, movie Wally. Uh, you might remember that the whole civilization is just fat people floating around on on uh, hovercraft chairs because they no longer <laughs> need jobs. They've they've, they've 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 passed that all off onto AI, which which causes some problems. Hence, the movie. Otherwise, it'd just be like a, a fun little resort. But. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was, I was thinking just before that it's like there's going to be. I, I can imagine in ten, fifteen years' time, I'll be like, oh, when I was a kid, we had to work. Now you just press buttons, and I don't know. I don't know how anybody's going to get paid, but yeah. So if AI can analyze the feedback data and it can identify trends, yeah. and it can, and it can also identify, you, you can know, automate all that, yeah highlight areas that you can improve on and blah, blah, blah. And allowing, you know, for kind of more uh, effective marketing, for want of a better term. I can't think I've got a mental block. So where does that leave everyone who works in the industry? Like some, somewhere, I mean, this is what's going on in Hollywood at the minute, I guess. But somewhere, somewhere we've got to use it for good. Is there any good? <laughs> is there any good in chat GBT? Like... For the wine industry, Luke Morris, is there any good? Pardon me laughing at you. Uh, <laughs> this kind of stuff doesn't get made for good, mate. You know, this kind of stuff gets made to save dollars. And if you're trying to do that, you, 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 your number one care is to your shareholder. And, you know, to go, people, are, people are working self-service checkout check out aisles and don't get paid to do it like there's we have progress that it's all about money not about doing good um uh can we use ai for good well people would argue that being able to have a better sensory program system to make better wine and better recommendations with a more tailored uh allocation to individual pallets is better progress it just removes people's jobs but the ability to remain agile and embrace new technology along the way isn't that the key to ensuring long-term success and profitability like so you'd use part of this instead of just embracing it completely and just shifting out your workhorse wouldn't you just wouldn't you wouldn't you like to remain agile and embrace some new technology? Oh yeah, I'm not saying people won't do it. Well, but look at you know you, you know how it goes. Wine is a lot of wineries are really good at winemaking, but terrible at marketing. That's um, 
there's there's so many businesses and, and wineries that we see examples of that and then they're no good at technology they're mostly farmers but i don't i don't, I don't know i don't I, they can try and embrace it but they'll probably be left behind by the mm. businesses like penfolds and cw wines as a as a conglomerate business that's in in, in my world I've, I've i've found them that's a, that's a business that keeps buying brands renaming brands buying wines taking over vineyards sections of the community because you know smaller companies can't keep up with the big companies that's why there is big companies that's why they exist yeah fair enough i think i think there's i I think i agree in part with what you're saying i I think there's a what do you dispute go on well i dispute that it's I dispute that it's just not going to keep rolling roughshod over the industry. I think there's always going to be a chance for to use it, you know, whether you're using chatbots to collect customer feedback or whether you're using, you know, chat B, chat GBT to create a pairing or suggest a pairing from the catalogues of wines that best meets people needs or whether you're using it to educate people. Like I think well, there's, if, there's, if there's if a that's place your job, what, what do you, think, why are you using it to replace you? Well, I don't want to replace me. I don't think you're ever going to be able to, be able to replace that personalised service. And also, ChatGBT doesn't have a palette like you and I. So people are going to get used to what we're selling or, or the palettes or the style of wine we dig out. You know, They're not going to be able to identify. They're not, they don't have a personality. They might eventually, I guess, but right now they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so the interactive experience can only be enhanced so much i think in the digital age there is um we're gonna have some of it like not that i'm but if you if you can revert if you can reduce aromatics and and taste to a binary profile which you can do through analysis what's the difference you're still dealing with taste you're just you're just changing it into numbers and then numbers are hard facts yeah, without facts, you're just another opinion. Yeah, so the, so you're saying the computer's going to be better than you because you're just an opinion. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, okay, fair <laughs> bump, play on. <laughs> okay, you it's, talk me off the ledge, all right. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because, it is, you it know, is hard. Yeah. This, is, this is why, and, it, and it's, 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 it's a tough debate because it really is people's livelihoods and jobs. Yeah. Now, and now you put it like that. Now, and, and passions, exactly. Now you put it like that. Because, yeah, because this, this all started for me, how this started for me is that the newest version of OpenAI, which are the dudes that created ChatGPT, has just passed the certified and advanced sommelier course uh, on, on its own, like the theory exams. Obviously, it hasn't even taken a sip of wine, but it's just passed the cert, so you have the certified, the advanced, and then the diploma. So one and two levels, it's it's already passed. Um, so that's pretty extraordinary because I've never even tasted a wine. Yeah, but does it have to taste wine to do? This is just a this is just a dictionary test, isn't it? 
for that for them yeah i mean it doesn't have to pay but it's just a theory exam so it's past it yeah so it doesn't have to taste for it. no it can't yeah hmm. i'm not surprised by that it's like asking in, in carta 98 to spill out some information like of course it's going to be able to apply to information it's an encyclopedia that's all it is so the so agreeing we're agreeing that the versatility is there but it's going to muck with the centralized idea of wine and the personal ability to service uh, the customer it's going to disrupt it well i don't know what's what what do you think that it, it can't do well, I was thinking, you know, about the taste and the decipher, but you've you've put Pato to that. Yeah. Um, that was all I had, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, and and I've already told you that we're gonna. It, it tells jokes. I, I know that. It's um. I've, I've done a test with the the comedy thing, so it's going to be able to have some sort of banter, like fun, conversational things to say. <laughs> Um, it's uh, it's going to it, it, the, the whole idea is to replace humans because basically uh, people who have millions of dollars don't like paying a couple of hundred dollars in wages the the CEO of um, I heard a stat that no whatever it was the, the, the 20 30 years ago the ceo of disney made about 20 times the amount of their lowest paid employee and now they make 800 times the amount of their lowest paid employee and they want and they still want to wipe out the wages of that lowest paid employee and use a computer instead that's right that's 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 AI is designed to do. Well, that's fairly bleak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in matters more positive, <laughs> shall we move on? <laughs> oh, yeah. More positively, we should talk about the 2023 vintage. Yeah. Tell us how good that vintage has been, Campbell. <laughs> well, what I want to know is what have you heard first? And I don't want the Murray Tyrrell. Uh, I don't want the Murray Tyrrell um, um, Prasade version. What have What have you heard out there on the streets? What's the word on the street, Luke Morris? Uh, the only thing I really heard was that I can't remember which region it was, but they said they were picking really, really late, like the fruit just wasn't getting ripe, and that wasn't a good sign. Yep. And that's been the main thing I've heard. It's just not. Yeah, it's just conditions, growing conditions haven't been been good. Just not getting just getting getting the warmth, the ripeness. I think Yeah, no, there was no there was no there's no warmth, there was not a lot of ripeness. Everywhere particularly in Victoria was late, but Australia wide it was um yeah, on the back of what was a record breaking twenty one vintage, you know, like and, and everyone shouting out from the um heavens about what sort of a great crush it was uh, this vintage overall was down uh, a lot. Um, like I, th I think overall production, when I was looking at these figures yesterday, actually there was 20, 22% down 
which is a big, obviously a big percentage. So reduce crush, reduce value, all those sort of things. But no, do you think was... some of that has to do with uh, reduced demand? Because you, to to a certain degree, you can grow to demand, but with uh, a reduction in exports, you've got a reduction in demand. And so for people would do forecasting and say, we don't need, you know, we don't need 10 ton to an acre as a, as a, as a, a, a made-up figure. We don't need 10 ton to an acre on this vineyard because we don't need that much fruit. We only need eight or seven or six ton. Oh, maybe a little bit of that. I don't know quite about that, but what, what I do know is we had massive seasonal effect, you know, like that surely there was a, a lower a lower year yield in general was expected yeah. due to kind of, um, you know, the cropping potential, as, as you say, but compounded by a number of seasonal effects, like, you know, we had widespread summer rains, massive rainfalls across summer, which, you know, obviously soddens the soils, plumps up the grapes, allows, means yep, they have to dry right. out and yep. takes a lot longer. We had hailstorms in the West, hailstorms across the bottom of South Australia, these kind of, um, you know, seasonal effects were kind of massive across that 2022 summer. Makes it challenging for anyone, whoever you are. And then, of course, you've got, you know, compounded by your, you know, reduced exports to India and mainland China and massive shipping disruptions. That, that all doesn't help. It kind of causes delays and escalate costs. But I think it's... Um, I think it's more due to the weather. I think it was rubbish weather in that 22 summer. 22, yeah, 22, 23, yeah. And the hmm. um, yeah, yeah. harvest is down some people. Yeah, I mean, it's farming. I mean, a, a, an AI bot wouldn't care so much because you just flick the switch and turn it off for a year, whereas everybody else is trying to figure out how they're going to pay their school fees for the kids. That's... That's the thing. Well, that's I, right. I, I, and I'm, I'm bringing that up because I've had a customer this week complaining about paying pricing for stuff. And I'm just like, you know, he's like, oh, actually, I understand that you've got warehousing costs and shipping costs, but there's, you know, it can't be that much. It's like, yeah, there's also got to pay for people to eat. And some of that's not just people to eat. Some of it's to pay kids to go to school. Anyway, you know, people, people, people don't like paying money for things. Um, no. And you know the, the the value for raw materials, like the value for grapes, um, you know, like you know, you're talking about agriculture before the farmers are getting less and less for their grapes, and so that's going to be taken into account as well. Like, I, I think you know, surely there's, uh, I guess there there is some silver linings to be found in the fact that the export market will bounce back. You know, like if we look forward from this vintage, I, I think the overall um the overarching um pinpoint of the this vintage that 22 23 23 vintage moreover it would be a slow ripening sleeper of a vintage you know without any real gold in it you know that was a, that was a funny thing because I was talking to someone about how you know we used to pick when I started in, in vineyards, we were picking fruit around Easter time. Um, was that March, March, April? Yep. March, April. Yep. And then, 
it got really, really warm, really quick. And we were picking fruits in February, and that was just bizarrely odd because you had fifteen Beaumais wines at that price at that stage. But then, the longer you leave something on the on the vine, the more it can sort of um, develop more depth of character. And so, I don't know there's there's arguments. Maybe, like you said, that the the summer rains aren't going to help as much and maybe things won't get to the same ripeness, but maybe they will pick it around. Some Shirazes will go back to, you know, classic Mount Langy Gerans at 12.5% Shiraz and age for, for 10 years and drink spectacularly. Maybe. So here is, sorry, I've just looked up while you were so eloquently describing the vintage, I looked up the National Vintage Report from Wine Australia. The total oh. crush. Here we go. Here are the numbers. Let's run the numbers. Yeah. The total crush. I might put this up actually in the notes or on the, the Instagram. Actually, this is interesting. The total crush was 132 million tonnes, which was down overall 25%. That's quite a lot, isn't it? It is quite a lot. 25. It's basically the total value. quarter. Yeah. Yep. $983 million in total value, which is Oof. 19% down. Oof. Our two biggest wine-producing states, South Australia and uh, New South Wales, South Australia were down 55%. New South Wales were down 28%. Um. Uh, I beg your pardon, let me rephrase that. South Australia were down 18% and New South Wales were down 28%. That is significant. Yeah. The top variety crushed, which we know that because we researched this earlier in the season, is Shiraz. Yeah. Um, it was down 20% overall. Oof. Second, um, uh, Second biggest... Production is we also know this because we researched this earlier in the season. Chardonnay, which was down twenty nine percent, so there's some alarming figures there. I might put that up on the socials uh, when we get this episode out, but that mm. is pretty big numbers, and they are pointing downward. Well, that's just you know that seasonal, you know twenty twenty four. Could be a bumper year. We could be back up to history standards. You know. Yeah. Well, let, let, let's hope so. I, I think you know we're in what is it the third cycle of La Nina, which is responsible for all this unseasonable weather in, in and around wine producing areas. So it's had a major impact, and I think the high level of rainfall, you know, it's created things like disease pressure. It's created things like downy mildew and fungus that you know winemakers and viticulturists have had to deal with and that all adds into reducing yields and stuff the wet weather's a bastard like it's a big obstacle for vineyards and machinery and yeah. harvesting and disease management it's just an obstacle and the takeaway though just just remember for the listener customer buyer out there that um uh you can still make good wine still look mm. out for the vintage still listen to Let's just don't don't do what some people do and go, oh, twenty twenty three is no good. Let's not buy anything from that vintage. And then you miss out on some crackers because you just heard that yield was down. People a, a lot of people are probably not going to try and make wine that year. 
Um, and therefore, they just skip a vintage, and therefore, you they don't sell the something that's not up to not up to scratch. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, y- y- I think yields were down. Chat, sure, yeah. we have had this chat. Yeah, y- yields were down, but concentration was 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 high. I was somewhere just recently. We we have it at this chat, but and someone was telling me how how rubbish the 2011 vintage was, and I was like, hang on a minute, like sure, some sommeliers just wrote 11 off as being a rubbish, but in fact, the Hunter and, and Margaret River, for that matter, had the best vintages in a decade in in 2011. So yeah, I, yeah, I get told often that Margaret River gets you know where everyone else in Australia has problems because we're all on the east side. Margaret River's usually survives pretty well year in, year out over on the West. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So no, um, yeah, no, uh, no doubting that. That's unbelievable. But for, for now, 2023, it, it is a wrap. Is it all doom and gloom? I, I agree with Luke Morris here. I think just, you know, look for wines of pedigree. Sure, yield is down, but concentration of flavours is up. Um, and the judge of a good winery is what they do in a, in a, in a bad year. So look out for your favourite producers, support them uh, most of all, and, and, and try something new. I think it's exciting because, you know, vintages like this can play a key role in developing the future of, uh, of a small winery. So uh, support, support the industry, support boutique producers, and yeah, get, get involved. Try something different, people. I was just thinking how funny it would be if if someone started marketing something different, something new, something future, a completely AI made wine. It's like that already exists, I'm sure. I'm sure people are just not telling us that that's out there. Well, hopefully they brand it as 1984. 1984, the wine made in 2023. I lost it. I've absolutely lost it. I want to taste that. Can you tell the difference? We'll have a um, a, a taste off between an AI made wine and something made by something made by Doug's brother out in the back of the shed with a vat and a stick. <laughs> you know, when they get a few Andros of Neo Diablo from Chalmers Estate, and they went up there in the back of the ute and got a few crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what real winemaking is, Camel. None of this AI stuff. We need to get back to basics. Wrapper <laughs> is what we want. <laughs> um, moving right along, and if people want to get in contact with us, how do they get in contact with us, Luke Morris? Um, they just ask their local chat GBT. They don't need to get in touch with us at all. Just, just type it straight into a search engine and, and they'll give you the answers. Or if you really want, you can email Luke's Talk Wine at Luke's Talk Wine at gmail.com and uh, probably some surveillance thing will read that email. But we'll also get it. And this week, Emma has in fact... Emma? No, Elizabeth from Wagga Wagga. Uh, has done this and she writes Luke's collectively what's your dream wine destination and she doesn't want to know where we've been or what we've done but she would like to know dream destination Mars, where we want to go answered it. done next 
Mars. Yeah, go on. There's no wine there. How can it be a wine destination? Give us some time, mate. You know. Give, give us give us a little give us give us Matt Damon and a carton of poo and we can uh, fertile some soil and make some wine out there. That'd be good. Right. Well, I'm taking this question of Elizabeth very seriously. Okay. I I actually actually want... Do you want me to answer it seriously? You, you yeah, can go first. Okay. Seriously. Right. I'll, I'll uh, go first. Go I'll first. go first, and you and then I'll I'll do the retort thing, and then you can answer the question. So. For me, I actually want to go somewhere that you've been, which I've never been, and I actually want to go to the Duro Valley oh, and okay. see the see the terraced vineyards of the Duro Valley. I think there's nothing better, either white or red for that matter, uh, those um, Portuguese field blends, if you find them, and tucking into them. I, I think they're some of the most underrated wines on planet Earth. They're utterly delicious. White Definitely. or red, doesn't matter. Yeah. And... I think there is a, a time and a place for them. I think I, what I love about them is, sure, they're blended, but they're just these kind of punch above their weight, uh, medium-bodied um, d- deliciousness, which uh, go and go and go. Oh, yeah, do you, I think you, you mentioned blended. The best, best wines in the world are all blends. Don't give us this snobbery of not liking blends. Uh, yeah, my brother made a wine. I think it's the... The Villa Maria, uh, Villa Maria Teresa vineyard, or something like that. And he said that, um, the fruit just comes from this really back when he was working there. This really old farmer would bring in his fruit, it was beautiful fruit. It and you just couldn't name what the vines were that they had planted in the vineyard. He said it was just too many, too different. They never bothered trying to figure it out. It's just a a field blend from his vineyard, and gosh, it was the best fruit they got every vintage. And then just yeah, make, right. they'll just take that vineyard and make that wine, and it, they made table wine from that in in the Duro Valley, and you know one of those things that you know when the likes of Robert Parker find out about it, they go, "Where's this been all of our lives?" It's like, yeah, this is <laughs> this is the bee's knees. Um, so yeah, amazing stuff. That go go to the Duro, beautiful. Train ride up there, beautiful uh, slopes and overlooking the river. And you can go to Porto itself and you have some beautiful um, <laughs> meals on the banks of the, of, of the, of the dock. Of, of the, and a um, uh, great spot to go. Highly recommend it. Um, for me, I don't know if you've ever been here, but I was just watching the Tour de France. And mm. the Alsace. Ooh. I have never been, and it just looks beautiful. All the wines I've had from Alsace have all been fantastic. And I want to, I, th- I think that would be a, a, a great place to go. Have you ever been? I actually have been. I'm very fortunate to have been to Alsace. Alsace has always kind of been a bit of a. a it's been in a, it's a, it's in a perilous kind of location on the border of Germany and France, right up there. It's been in a tug of war for centuries, but uh, I have been there. I'm very fortunate, and the the hills, um, like all the Grand Cru hills, are on one side of kind of the area, the the border side, in fact. And yeah, I have been there, and it's kind of they speak both French and German languages, and it's kind of um, the area is heavily influenced from the German side. 
uh, and then the, the the French department, so the French side getting involved in the food department and that kind of thing. But they, these wines are just very different styles, you know, like and um, yeah, everything from dry Riesling through to Gewurz Tremener through to sparkling Cremonts, Pinot Blancs, and Pinot Noir in the stupid Riesling shaped bottle it throws everybody off. It's beautiful. It does throw everybody off. Um, and it, uh, but it's very, very distinctive. Great, great food. I've heard great f- food, beautiful re- looking region. Yeah. The food, what, what, what did I eat up there? It was called, um, it was awesome. It was basically tart flambe. If Ooh. you look it up, it's basically this thick cut bacon, which has been fried in duck fat effectively. And then it's put on this pastry tart base and laden with some aged mountain cheese, and it's just awesome. It clogged your arteries just talking yeah, it's about just it. Yeah, speaking of cholesterol, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can't always think about cholesterol when you're in now, Sass, but it just goes fantastic with with um, with um Riesling and, and things like that, and Pinot Noir, at, all at once, actually. Well, that's it. Riesling and, Riesling um, and uh, ch- chicken schnitzel, yum. Yeah, that too. Absolutely awesome. Um, but yeah, a great Alsace is a great region, I think. Very um, underrated again. I think um, Elizabeth doesn't say where, where she'd like to go, but they're, they're two of the great regions that uh, would um, be worthwhile, definitely. Alsace in France and the Duro uh, in Portugal. The, the other one, actually, which is probably off people's radar, yeah. which I would like to go to, and I've never been. It's a little bit closer to home, actually. And if you've been here, let me know. Okay. Um, it is a little island off Auckland called Waiheke. Oh, okay. Um, yes. So Waiheke's kind of got um, – it's got a strong proximity of uh, wineries on it, uh, everyone from Man of War to Stony Ridge to – uh, wild estate. It's got some big producers there. So, in fact, there's I think there's something like um, like thirty wineries in and around this island, which you can see from the the Bay of Auckland. But it, predominantly, it's well known for its high quality cabernets. You and I both love oh. cabernet, Merlot, Malbec, Cab Franc, uh, and the wineries are scattered through the areas. And apparently, there's some breathtaking views and swanky restaurants but i've had a couple of cabernets from there and they are stonking um and i would really like to go like you know it's auckland hop skip and a jump on the ferry on the north island ferry it's probably easier to get to for most of us than auckland or the duro valley to be honest um you know you could get into some locally caught seafood and chomp into some uh new zealand Red wine, particularly this time of year, I think it'd be awesome. Um, yeah, How do you make me want to go to Sherry? You got some seafood and Sherry down in the whatever that region is technically called. Juarez de la Juarez de la Frontera. Frontera. Juarez de la Frontera. That's one of the best, most fun food matches I've ever had. I was in the Rioja at the time. And so the yes. people didn't, didn't really appreciate us having sherry, but we were having sherry and the fried uh, little uh, white bait, basically. It was something like that. And my God, that was good fun. 
Um, I can imagine you doing something almost similar to that. In oh, you can do that. You get oysters and um, and and some white wine in Tasmania in Hobart. Yummo. Oh yeah. Yes. Pinot Gris. Also very good. Yeah. Do that. Yum. Well, there's there's a few for you, Elizabeth. I hope you uh, get to your destination very soon because getting out and about and supporting wineries and wine destinations. Oh, speaking of another one, just another one. Is, just, yeah, just, yeah. Sorry, it's really quickly. I had a customer come back from Greece and they said how Ooh. good Greece was. They said it was. Yes. They came back and they ordered wine from me and they said I didn't think I was going to do this because I thought I'd be broke, but. Uh, they were like, it's cheap. The food was fantastic. The wine was fantastic. It was terrific. So if if, if Elizabeth's looking for some um, tips, throw Greece in the mix. Consider that. Mm. And obviously their industry goes back way, 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 way back. And there's an extraordinary amount of old vine material in Greece. I was recently... Um, I was recently involved in a trade tasting, actually, where we tasted some amazing wines of Greece, and they've not only got indigenous grape varieties, they've got yeah. uh, varieties from um, the New World as well. So absolutely. Yep. Well, mate, that has been a bit of a rollicking afternoon, actually, between, <laughs> between, between the, I'm not, the, I'm doom too much. <laughs> the doom and gloom of the AI and the wine industry, and you... Talking me off a ledge, yeah. and we've spoken what about you, what are you drinking? This week? Some arsenic, yeah, <laughs> mate. That has been uh, fantastic. So, mate, um, absolutely. Th- thanks for your time. Thank you to the listeners. Thanks to the listening audience. Don't forget to share the podcast, tell your friends. Uh, we are here, we're back, um, every fortnight talking wines and popular culture. And today, we've even touched on some travel, so I love it. Luke Morris, as always, I love talking to you. Thank you for being available. <laughs> We've had a laugh along the way. I'm sorry to talk to you about the um, Resco Bridge and stuff, but uh, <laughs> we've got a few more years, and then we can retire. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you painted a very positive outlook, uh, and we'll keep it up. But um, mm. in, the, in the short term, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, and thank you to the listening audience. And in the words of the great Tony Barber, (laughs) keep smiling and bye for now. Would you like to be smarter and do good in the world? Luke Morris here. I sold out shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with the Wine Science Show. And now that show is in book form. It's only $15 and 100% of profits go to charity. So donate and learn and laugh with the Wine Science Show book. Go to lukemorrisha.com.au or follow the link in the Luke's Talk Wine Instagram bio.